This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig, and I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm back with our uh, founder, Rocky Fleming, and uh, we're we're continuing our conversation about celebrating the 20-year anniversary of, of Influencers. Uh, the, the first journey group started in uh, 2001, and this is uh, our 20-year anniversary. So, Rocky, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, and we, uh, so when we left off, we were just talking a little bit about the first group and and how uh, it proved to be organic. How these this started to work itself outward. These men started abiding, and they started bearing fruit in their own personal lives and their marriages and all that. But then they they had a desire to go help other men. You didn't ask them to do it. You never. They just yeah. did it. It was yeah. just the Holy Spirit asked them to do it. Yeah. And right. uh, it started working itself outward from that. Um, and uh, and you you talked about the uh, church that was asking you, is this uh, just because Rocky's a really good teacher or is this something anybody could use? And and you you weren't sure, but you said, I hope it's not just, you know, because I you wanted something bigger than just what you could do. Um, and, and as we lead into that, Rocky, would you tell uh, tell the story that you told me uh, about the two missionaries that were over in another, another country and, and they planted a church? One was a real charismatic speaker and drew a big crowds. And the other guy was more focused on discipleship. Tell that yeah. story. I think I heard, I'd heard this years ago and uh, it was two Chinese, two missionaries that went into China back when they could go in there legally. And uh, they went into a couple of different villages to uh, set up a church. And one of them was that uh, charismatic leader. And uh, he he was able to build a congregation pretty pretty quick, and they had a lot of uh, I mean, flurry of activity, a lot of growth. I mean, they grew big in a hurry. But the other missionary was he was not as charismatic. He was basically a man who was he was a a, a mentor. He was a disciple maker, and his process was slow. And he adopted what we do is with influencers is go deep, just start small, go deep, and pray big, and and that would be what he did. And he went into that village and he started working with a few people, and began building a foundation with them about what it means to walk with Jesus. And as far as measurements were concerned, if you look at the other village over there, that guy had a really going church and. He's kind of a superstar, but the other missionary was, well, they were wondering if he's even authentic. And so the uh, those missionaries were eventually kicked out of China. That's when they had the revolution and they've taken Christian Christianity and church and all that out of there. And then so what happened is that those villages were left alone for a lot of years, a lot of years. And then when the uh, country opened up again, many years later, uh, they went back in to see what was the condition of the two churches. And the church that had 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 the fast growth and was large was no longer. It had 
it had not sustained. But the, the small church that began on a discipleship platform had continued to grow deep and wide and big, and it was very powerful. It was very, very healthy because of, you know, the commitment to try to move people into close proximity with Christ, uh, you know, showing them how to abide in Christ, uh, not spoon feeding them, helping them to learn to self-feed, learning, helping them to learn how to, to walk it out rather than be told what to do. And I, and I thought that was very interesting when I, when I heard, read that and, uh, heard that report because I think it, it confirms what we believe about the reproduction process of a, of a healthy organism. If the, if the organism is healthy, it will reproduce, but if it's unhealthy, if it requires somebody to constantly tend the garden other than God, being a pastor, that pastor has got to keep it propped up. And when you remove that pastor, then that, feeding source will be removed and therefore they don't know how to self-feed. Well, yeah, and that's been, we've seen that. And we've also seen guys um, trying to go big fast, you know, or try to get big numbers, have a big event. And, and, and we're always telling them start small, go deep, pray big and and build a good foundation that's built on depth and, and truth. And, and then it will, it will reproduce. And so, but I want to get back to the I want to get back to the history a little bit because some people don't know. Um, so you started this in 2001, and and as you said, a lot of the guys started taking their own, forming their own groups and taking people they knew through it. And and this was happening over in the Bentonville Rogers Northwest Arkansas area. Um, and then uh, and then at one point it jumped a few states over to California. Talk yeah. about how that happened. Well, Pete McKenzie and I have been best friends since we were 19 years old. Actually, 20. We met 19 years old. And it was in our baseball connection. Uh, I was playing at Ole Miss, and he was playing at Auburn, and and we played summer league baseball together. And uh, so anyway, uh, our friendship in, uh, continued, and, and uh, Susan, his uh, wife, who's deceased now, and Sally were best friends as well. And our, and our family's lives just – just walked side by side for many years. And and Pete went into full-time ministry out of professional baseball. Actually, when he was, you know, out of baseball. And uh, and then uh, I support we supported their ministry because they were with the navigators at the time. And um, and so we'd always kind of thought about maybe somehow co-laboring together. But I was a businessman and I didn't have the identity of being a pro- you know, professional or being full time. And, and honestly, I felt kind of bad about myself too, for a while. I thought that maybe I wasn't really, you know, serious. And, uh, but I had to rethink that because I, I did take a leap of faith and did go into full-time ministry for one year with Pete in California, but it just wasn't right for me. Uh, it wasn't right timing. It, it was something that I, I pretty well forced on myself, and um, and I had a, a wise pastor uh, advise me. He says, "I know your story, and I think that you are called to ministry, but not here. You need to go back into your career and let God come get you." And uh, so that would be in nineteen eighty eighty five, and so we did go back. And then I went back into business. And, and so about 
2004, no, 2005, I think it was, uh, through the Pete's Evolving Ministry. And then now here I am with influencers, and I'm now full-time in ministry, in ministry here. Uh, I invited him to come join us. And it was it was a very good time for him to move out of the ministry he was involved with and to come on, on board with us. Uh, he was pastoring a church at the time, and and he'd asked me to speak in a conference out there. And I brought some of, of our guys, and I didn't say anything about the journey at all. And he didn't know anything about it at the time. But I let them talk. You know, they said, uh, they were asked questions, asked me a question, actually. So what's this the journey thing you got going back there? Tell me about it. I said, no, let me let them tell you about it. So I, I was just, I never said anything about it. I felt like the fruit needed to speak. So uh, each one of those guys shared, you know, their story. And, the, and each one of them ended it by saying, and my life will never be the same. And so that was intriguing to these men that were hearing this. And so they said, can we be trained in doing this? <laughs> Keep in mind now, this is just a couple of years from the point of starting this thing. And now they're, they're saying, can you train us in using your material? So it's what I have to do. I have to rewrite it again because <laughs> <laughs> now I got to move some of this Southern ease out of it for people in California to, to use it. Uh, but uh, they came back. They said th 13 guys came back. And it's, what's interesting is that Pete was the pastor of their church at the time. And they, they came to him and said, uh, after talking to our guys, he says, Hey, we're going back to Arkansas. You want to go with us? He said, what are you talking about? Yeah, you, we're going back there to be trained to do this journey. And one of the guys said, yeah, I'm going too. Where's Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they came back here and they were trained uh, to do it. And then they went back to Southern Cal and they rolled it out there. So it, it, did, it did cross out of a region, a Southern region, and it, it moved into another region where it worked quite well. And God began to expand my understanding that this is not just for here, not just for me, but it's for others, and not just for these people, but for others. Mm -hmm. And uh, at, at that time, you you got interested. Mm -hmm. And and at the same time, we had uh, the Wahid over in Egypt, a translator was interested in it. And so they translated it into Arabic uh, during the course of that time. And then it was when you and I started getting really close and you began building your journey groups over there with Evans. And uh, yeah, I was in Tulsa, which is about two hours from, from this area. Uh, for right. those who don't know about that. But yeah. Yeah. And I was looking for a discipleship process. I, I just became convinced I'd led a lot of men's ministry, and, but I knew what was missing. I knew enough to know what was missing was discipleship. Right. And but I had no idea how to help somebody do that. And God connected us through kind of through a promise keeper event that was over here in uh, Arkansas it was after that event that I you and I met. And uh, yeah, and it, it proved to be exactly what I was looking for. And, uh, and so uh, region in Tulsa. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so here we have now this goes over to Tulsa and we're seeing these guys. Now, they're not they're not a lot of difference between Tulsa and Northwest Arkansas as far as, <laughs> you know, the type of guys we are. Mm -hmm. um, 
you're a little bit more cowboyish and we're a little bit more cool. <laughs> we're pretty. <laughs> yeah. But what is different, really different, is uh, Egypt. And that's yes. when we were asked to go over there and we rolled out the, the books and the curriculum to 37 businessmen from, from upper and lower Egypt over a, a long weekend. And uh, you went with me along with Maxie Carpenter and Larry Trice. And that was our mm -hmm. first foray into a different culture and a different language. Yep. And guess what we saw? We saw the same core needs being um, being uh, addressed. Mm -hmm. A need for intimacy with their their savior. Um, these were Christians. They, they, they. That's a that's they've they've had Christ in that country far longer than America has. Uh, Egypt went through the Christians in Egypt went through the persecution. And so they have a long history of Christianity there. Uh, but even though they have a history of Christianity, what was missing was intimate relationship with, with their king. Mm. And so we went there and we were sharing the basic same thing that was inspired in 2001 with these people. And they were receiving it as well. I remember Rocky. They th that was 2007, um, and I remember th th they had read Journey to the Inner Chamber, and they were trying to understand: was this inner chamber a place, or you know, a, was it a concept or a figure? You know, you know, yeah. they were trying to understand it. But that by the end of the, you know, we weren't sure we were breaking through. And I just have to say this little part of the story: we weren't really sure. And then you had the idea. Let's give them a copy of the prayer cottage, which had been translated into Arabic. And let's just turn them loose like you did the very first journey group at your commencement. Let's just turn them loose to go read it and just talk to God about it and see what he does. And uh, and so we just turned them loose at this resort. We were out doing the retreat and uh, they did. And we, we were in a, one of our rooms watching them walking around the grounds and, you know, could tell they were really in, in contemplation and prayer and they came back and they and you just said, why don't you guys just tell each other what you experienced and we'll just listen. And we had the translator next to us telling us what they were saying. Well, then we saw that they got it. We started yeah. seeing breakthroughs and that, oh, yeah, they're look, they were hungry. They were looking for the same thing that American men were were looking for. And it, it, it was beautiful. And we saw that happen. The, the thing it taught us is that God given us something that was broader than we understood because at that time we were a, our men's ministry and in fact we we were in some ways some of our guys back here thought that we were a regional ministry and the only way that it could go anywhere else that people had to go through the journey firsthand and i had to fight a battle with them and say no no if god's going to take this forward we got to release this thing and we got to release it we have to we have to hold true the DNA and we got to train them right, but we've got to release it. We can't just keep we can't hold on to it and, and jealously guard it. We've got to look at this from a kingdom point of view. And that opened the door to go into Brazil. And then at the request of a missionary, it was translated into Portuguese, and we saw the same thing. Frank Leal went down there with me on that. 
and we met with people in the conference there. Uh, we saw the same responses. Then it's translated in Spanish, and, and we're seeing an awakening of that like we have never imagined in the Latin American uh, areas. And uh, in that culture, they, yeah. it resonates within their heart. And then it, it's, now it's in Africa in several, several nations there, translated in French for French speaking. Uh, but all of that has shown us that it's bigger than us. It's bigger than our vision. It's a God thing. Uh, and we've got to hold it and, and, and protect it as such, not something that man has done and not something to jealously guard, but to be a good steward of. And as a result, we've seen, we continue to see marvelous expansion of the ministry. It's going uh, deeper and wider than, than we had, I had ever imagined. In fact, I, I can't say, I mean, I'm asked this all the time, could I have ever imagined it? And the answer is no. Not at all. I couldn't, I couldn't, the last 20 years is a little bit of a blur to me. Hmm. And I know I've been involved with every aspect of it. And, uh, and I could probably remember a lot of, a lot of things to write a book on about the, the challenges along the way. Hmm. But, but the fact is, is that as far as I'm concerned, it's always been about my journey with Jesus. The other things, that's, it's almost like a fruit of my journey with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the fruit of the people's journey with Jesus that, that they're having. And that's why this is multiplying like it is, is because it's the dynamic of an individual's proximity with Christ that's bearing the fruit. And all we're doing, we're just joined together as a family uh, to express this. And, you know, God has taken this thing outward, not only internationally, but to other global aspects like women's ministry, to prison ministries, jailhouse ministries, campus ministries. Um, and um, it's couples are using it now in couples groups. Yeah. 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 And so uh, all we're doing is just trying to, to respond to the invitations that we're given and, and Rather than trying to be a driver force here with men and boards and and visionaries trying to make something happen, we're trying to hold true to being faithful, and that's that's a that's a key part, I think, of the need for this ministry to stay that way in order to continue to to follow Christ into the future. And we've got to hold on to Him and hold on what He's given to us, uh, and and be a steward of it. Make sure it's it's reproduced correctly. That it's not watered down. That it's not that we don't we don't change our ministry because we're growing. That we keep our heart and keep our soul, and keep true to this uh, the DNA that God's given us. Well, I think it was important what you said. We we probably or you and me, all of us, kind of thought it was a men's ministry in the beginning. I mean that because a lot of us had come out of promise keepers or men's stuff. And, and we always felt like, uh, if you get the man, then you get the families, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but then you had some women who were married to some of these men coming to you saying, we want to do this thing. Can we do it? And you said, well, yeah, go ahead. Use the curriculum. I, it was written for men, you know, with knights and more manly references, but it didn't seem to matter. 
because the same hunger was there. And I, what I would say is, and you would say this, I think, is that we're not just a men's ministry, but we're a discipleship ministry. Yeah. We're here for the body of Christ, you know, wherever God needs to use us. So absolutely. Because it is his thing. It's his and everybody, you know, I've got daughters and and granddaughters and I can guarantee you and a wife and I want them to abide in in Jesus as much as I want my son, son son-in-laws to do. Uh, Because I know the benefit of that, their marriages and their relationships, their lives. And, but I want to be a part of something bigger than what man can do. I want to be part of something bigger than what I can even imagine. And I think that's important for us to not try to imagine what we can do. Let's imagine what God can do. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I like that enterprise. I like to, I like to, to enter into something that's mysterious and magical. Uh, and I said this early on in the formation of influencers, because uh, I was the only guy <laughs> in the ministry. And when I had just precious friends that were looking at a, at a businessman that was getting ready to leave my business and leave my retirement plans or leave my career, leave my source of income to move into full-time ministry to get influencers going, they were serious about their concern for my financial health. And they wanted to have a big fundraising campaign. And I said, please don't. I don't want you to do that. So said, Why? I said, I want to see what God can do. I've got some, I've got some trailer commissions that are going to take care of me for a little bit, but you know, I just really feel like if God's in this, then He He wants me to trust Him. He wants me to let Him uh, show us what He can do. I don't want us to be a a fundraising organization. I've seen too many of these ministries that start out well, but then they they, they get by. They get behind the eight ball because of spending. They don't have good stewardship and they spend so much of their time trying to fundraise their donors. And, and it, it, I don't want to go there. I don't want people to look at us and think we're coming after what's in their back pocket. I want them to understand we're coming after their heart and the others God steal. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of people that we've, we've ministered to, and they know that about us. They know that about me, that there's no hidden agenda. And I think that that's, that's been the culture of this ministry now, is that starting way back 20 years ago, I guess about 17 years ago, is that when I said, no, we want to build this on foundation of faith and trust in God, and, and I was willing to put my life on the line on that. But I can tell you that this old boy has been well taken care of. And I've been, my needs have been adequately supplied, had to change my lifestyle, had to, you know, sell the big house that I had built and had to change things and get out of debt and things that will help me to be able to operate with less income. But the, the life that's been given to me has been an amazing life because I no longer feared the unknown about our financial health. I feared more than anything not being dependent on the Lord because a lot of financial wealth and makes people more dependent on the wealth than they are dependent on the Lord. And I, I felt it was important for us to build a ministry that if God pulls his hand off of us, we are sure to fail. That we are a ministry that is so dependent on him that we will not sustain if he moves his hand off of us. And, and I told our board, if he, 
if he pulls away from influencers, I'm pulling away from influencers because I do not want to be a part of something that God is not part of. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to put it on the line like that. That's called personal man and absolute trust, not only as an individual, and that's our mantra in this ministry, but it's the way we, we lead this ministry. And so the organizational aspect of this ministry is driven from our heart and soul of our walk with Jesus, as you know. Yeah, I, I was going to say that's one thing that I, I love about the ministry and the way you, that you've always operated is that what we teach in the journey and what we share in the journey is is not just for that. I mean, it's for everything. It's for it's a way the ministry practice what they preach. You know, yeah. uh, the board from the early on, you didn't want the board to be businessmen who are going to run it like a, a typical business or an organization. You wanted them to be godly men who with personal abandonment, absolute trust. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it now all the years I've been involved in, I've seen it and uh, it's been awesome. And it, it, it rattles people. It rattles people because a lot of people are even, you know, they're, they're used a lot of these guys have been elders on their church board or something like that. And they got asked to be an elder because they were a successful businessman and, and they brought their business stuff into the church. And, yeah. uh, it rattles them when they were saying, no, no, that's not really what we're looking for. Yeah, <laughs> I have. Well, that's what happened early on. I mean, I, this ministry began uh, with as a businessman reaching out to businessmen in my circle. Now, it's gone way beyond that. It's reached, reached really all, I guess, you all, all aspects of our society. But at that particular time, it was a lot of them were very successful businessmen. And, uh, and I had to have a, a, a talk with them when we first form, started forming up our leadership because I saw it. I watched it. Uh, now, we're talking about good intentions now. They, they were bringing what they know best to the table, and they wanted to do what they do best for the Lord because it was their way to serving. And, Brian, I, I, that's kind of my, the way I looked at things early on, being an athlete and being a hard worker that I would – Work that hard for serving the Lord. It was pers- personal, you know, kind of a an objective to 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 do as good as I can do. But it developed a performance mentality about my relationship with Him because I didn't know any different. Uh, but then I then I began to be discipled by the Holy Spirit, and He began to reframe my thinking. And one of the things I came to understand is that I can do. All I can do can get at best only what a man can do. Or I could be a part of something that God can do and be a part of what he can get done. And I would choose that. But in order to choose that, I have to not include the other. And I knew that in the beginning stages of this ministry that there need to be like-minded leaders that understood what I, where I was coming from. I'm not wanting uniformity, but I want unity, but I want priority. I wanted them to understand where wisdom is truly found is not through their experience as businessmen, but seeking and praying and allowing God to have his way with us. And so in the early stages, when we formed up, I started seeing them put on their businessman hat and they started acting like, it, you know, call to order and all this, that and the other. And I just said, guys, we just stop right now. We're gonna we're gonna redo this thing because I don't like where this is headed. And at that particular time, I was the only guy that was on the line here, so that was 
I was just the one who had to make that call. And to their credit, and, and I will say it to their credit, they didn't fight me on that. They, they uh, said, what do you want? I said, I'm looking for not you bringing your business acumen here. I want you as godly men who are seekers, who abide with Christ. And that's the kind of men that would need to be leading this ministry. Mm. And so uh, I think that we had, we had a challenge. Some of them had a little bit different opinion, but they did not prevail. We didn't make enemies or anything. It's just that they didn't, what I was expressing was an experiment because people didn't do it that way. Churches didn't do it that way. Other ministries didn't do it that way. They were looking for people that were well-funded and would be doing whatever it needs to be done to keep the doors open. And I was willing to say, I put that at risk. And, and it gave, it gave us the opportunity to really get the right people with the right heart and the understanding to take the risk. Will you take this risk and let's build a ministry based on walk on Jesus and let him show us how to do it. Mm. And, and they were all in the ones that were in, were all in. And we built our foundation with those leaders, the organizational foundation. And I would say that the board of global board that we have, everyone has 120% buy-in in that. Mm -hmm. They understand not only that's what we do, but it's also they understand why we do it that way. And I think the why factor, answering the why question is probably more important than what we do and how we do it. Why we do what we do is one of the biggest things we have to ask and get an answer to. Then when we do that, then things fall in place. And we still have successful businessmen that are on the board, uh, but they but they're not about that. They're about what does God want, you know. Yeah. And our board meetings are probably more unique than any other board meeting I've ever been on. You know, where most of it's spent in prayer and just checking on each other's souls and and the soul health of the ministry and all that. It's just it's beautiful to be part of, really. So, well, you know, one other thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just say we have a global board, uh, but we also have uh, regional boards as well that operate in a similar fashions, and and that is what we're wanting to do is we want to have the the global board be the model for the regional boards because we feel like that this is a this is the model that God's given us and it's inspired out of the of the heartbeat of what this ministry is all about. What I was going to say is that uh, somewhere along the way, when you realize this is something bigger than what you expected and it was going to keep growing, um, you started praying for God to raise up godly leaders. Yeah. And and you've told me that and, and you, you've seen that happen. We're still seeing it happen. And God's doing it even today, raising up new people in cities we didn't even know about that are looking for what we have. And, and they're just perfect setup to find what we have to offer and going to be future leaders. So. Uh, You've seen that, haven't you? Well, I have seen it. It's been an answered prayer. And uh, and I think it was also an inspired prayer that God helped me understand that it's not just about me. I play my part. I played my part in history. And I don't know how much more history I'll have with this ministry, but I want to continue to serve it as long as I'm alive. And that's my plan. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, you got to, 
you got a sunset ministries, you got legacy ministries. And sunset means it, it's ended once the founder's dead, you know. And there are a lot of ministries out there like that, that when the founder dies, then it dies. And early on, I, I said, no, man, no, no, no. I want, I want to be a part of a, a, a legacy ministry. And I play my part, but then I, I discharged these this things that I've understood about the DNA and about the heartbeat of what we're doing. I, I try to nurture that development with the second and third generational leaders, but and then help them to do the same thing because I think I think it's very important we understand that this ministry can go on as long as there's the world here till Christ's return if we continue to have his favor on it. And the favor on it has to be the way we walk it out with him. And and that's that's always been the the thing that I've tried to do, Brian, is I've asked God to give me people that will understand that, that can co-labor with me, that it just not be me shouting this message, but there will be many people that are, are sharing this message or understanding this message. And then when I'm taken out of it, we won't miss a beat because the message continues on through their lives and the, and the generations that will follow. That's right. We're making him famous, right? <laughs> well, uh, we're out of time uh, for our part two of this little story here, but uh, so we may need a part three to talk a little bit about some of the lessons learned, which uh, we'll work on that uh, for a future future podcast. But thank you, Rocky, for your time today. Glad to do it. So you've been listening to the Influencers Network podcast. And uh, again, we do these every week and uh, you can find all the different broadcasts we've had on on the website and hopefully soon to be coming out on Apple and Spotify podcasts as well. Uh, so anyway, we're just uh, trying to share all the wonderful things we have seen uh, from this, from our vantage point in this ministry through the years. So, so, so keep, be praying for the ministry and celebrate with us this 20 years of making disciples and all the things he has planned for the future. I'm Brian Craig, executive director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. May God bless you.